0: It is a Wednesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Unfortunately, we got to recap a very disappointing loss for the Arizona State Sun Devils basketball team to the in-state rival University of Arizona Wildcats. But then we're going to do some speculating. What would the Arizona State Sun Devils basketball team be like if Remy Martin never left? And what would the Arizona State Sun Devils football offense look like if Paul Tyson took over as the starting quarterback? We're here to talk about that more on this Wednesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast.
1: You are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, joined always by my co-host and good friend, Connor Drios. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, myself at RichieBrads36, Connor at C. Drios, and follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Speaking of the podcast, it's free and available wherever you get your platforms for podcasts, whether that's audio-wise on Spotify, the Odyssey app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, we're there. We're also on video platform YouTube as well. If you want to come and see our beautiful faces and all of our our hand gestures as we're going throughout the podcast, make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, five star review, leave a comment, all that good stuff. Me and Connor love to see it. And before we get started, this episode of the Locked On Sun Devils is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Connor, we're just going to dive right into this bad boy. Unfortunately, Arizona State had a very, very embarrassing loss to the U of A Wildcats, a team that we don't like losing to regardless of the sport. Unfortunately, we just don't got their number in basketball the way that we have their number in football. And it
1: showed on Monday night. Yeah, totally. Now they upped us for this season, uh, right? They beat us both games, both in Tucson, once here in Tempe. Did not go the way that we thought it would, but we say embarrassing, not because we expected to win that game. It's just the way they started that game off. It's like, oh, okay. Like they're picking up where they left off against yeah. UCLA. And maybe we have a shot at this thing. Not so much that like the fact that they lost, if you told me after that, that start, that they lost. Um, it, it's not that surprising. It's just, it's how quickly, Richie, that lead just disappeared, right? They were up 14-1, to 1, um, essentially very early on, I think by the first media timeout. Uh, ASU had three separate, three uh, three pointers all make it in. They started off on a 9-0 run, got to that 14-1 start, and eventually were 16-5. And unfortunately, that is when Arizona went on an 11-0 run and quickly erased that deficit. Now, playing at ASU, you had an absolutely packed, desert financial arena, right? And so I, I really think the Sun Devils were feeding off that energy, which was great. It's not so much that, that disappeared, but Arizona, the entire team just kind of shut up the crowd and the team very fast. And after that, they really never looked back. Now, the, the the second half of the first half, right, So like the last 10 minutes or so. There were, I think, nine, eight, somewhere between like eight to 10 lead changes. So it was still very back and forth. And ASU only ended up being down a handful going into halftime. but. Considering Arizona went on that 11-0 run, I mean, that was an absolutely pivotal point in that game. It's not that I expected ASU to win by 13, but just how, how well you started and how poorly you played immediately after. It's just so telling of the, the in my opinion, the difference in talent between Arizona and Arizona State.
0: 100% man. At the end of the day, uh, ASU just didn't execute well enough and I mean they really played a good game if we're being honest they they were shooting 42% from the field 43% from from uh from beyond the arc they put up 79 points that is enough points to be a lot of teams in the NCAA unfortunately U of A was just hotter Connor they shot 57% from the field that's mind-boggling I mean that
1: at that point it's like you're not missing and that's after a terrible start, too, right? They a terrible together. start, yes. Within ASU's first six possessions, I think Arizona had four turnovers, something absolutely dumb. Um, and with ASU making, I think, five of their first six shots, I mean, it just, it, one of the situations, again, everything was going Arizona State's way, clearly, when they were up 14 to 1 against one of the best teams in the nation. And Arizona just flipped the switch after that. ASU did play well in that first half, they shot over or, or like right at about 50% from deep. But then after that in the second half they just they played flat and Kamani lawrence even said as much in the post game saying exactly that they came out flat and just not something you can afford to do against u of a 100 man and it just i I think the most frustrating thing is
0: where i prefaced it saying embarrassing that's that's probably a little too extreme because i i've gone on record before saying that like calling a team embarrassing is probably not a good look and i'll go ahead and walk back that comment what i will say though is the way you dropped this game was just frustrating is the best way i could possibly put it because you were up at one point and you were controlling this game now while you can't stop u of a from shooting 57 percent from the field without having a little bit of tighter defense i mean u of a was just knocking in buckets like it was nobody's business however the frustrating aspect is that you seemingly had this game not like in the bag not locked up like a secure w but It felt like you had this game in control. And unfortunately, it just didn't come to be, Connor. You went from, like, cruise control, like, yeah, we we should be able to beat these guys to frantically trying to get any kind of consistency going on the court. So, again, 42% from the field for Arizona State. That's really good. 43% from three-point, even better. 79 points, outstanding.
1: Just at least well enough. above their average
0: yes oh no 100 percent. exactly so unfortunately it was just one of those situations where it just it it, it wasn't enough and I, I, again i'm gonna i'm gonna walk back the embarrassing comment i'm gonna walk that back because that's probably not that fair however eric go ahead Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead no 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 you go okay. no no you go it's oh. okay
1: Okay, I'll go. Arizona okay. is the, right, the best ahead. scoring team in the nation. So at yes. the end of the day, dropping 91 to them is, again, right at about what they're averaging for the season, maybe just above. But e- either way, like having Arizona put 91 up on you is not unexpected. So the fact that you can't hang with them offensively is not surprising. If you had showed me essentially the final score of the game before I had known anything that had happened, the the lack of, of runs, whether it was for ASU or Arizona. Or, or I think Arizona, that's exactly it. The, the box score does not look uncharacteristic of how this game should have gone. Uh, again, it's it just, it's how it started, right? Having a 13-point lead and ending up losing by 12, essentially from the point you were absolutely destroying Arizona, you got absolutely destroyed for the rest of that game.
0: Yep. Well, and dude, like, here's the funny thing is, like, I look at this and I see a 12-point loss and I'm like, oh, okay, we made it close. That's not close. That's not yeah. close. And the other thing going into this is, Again, like an outsider, like if I'm just like a standard fan who looks, oh, man, we only lost by 12 points. We must have kept it close, and, you know, we must have we must have done a really good job and this, that, and the other. The problem is you don't have that full perspective of watching the whole game and watching Arizona State going from being in a good state during the game to completely losing any grip that they had on it. It's just – it's it's one of those Connor where like the box score does not tell the whole story. We didn't lose by 12, but we did literally lose by 12. However, it felt like we got our rear ends handed to us. It was a very, very frustrating loss, to say the least. I mean, I don't
1: really know, you know. Yeah. So I mean we did have some decent production again. We had we had 79 points, which is well above Arizona State's average for the season, averaging closer to 65. Um, so still good of ASU to be able to put up those point totals. Um, got, a, again, decent production out of DJ Horn and Kamani Lawrence, each giving you 11. Uh, Jay Heath got you 16 as well as Marion Jackson off the bench, still getting 33 minutes. Uh, so he's off the bench sparingly. ASU seems to opt for a little bit more height at the of these games. But, uh, but overall, like a very solid night uh, offensively. Marion Jackson also had a which which led the team by a, a pretty wide margin, while also having four steals. Uh, which was not the lead. Jemaya Neal also had five steals, which a lot of that was picked up early. Uh, again, Arizona was very turnover prone to start that game, uh, which was a huge reason why ASU was able to be able to, to get out to as big of a lead as they did. It's not so much that I feel like they just played bad, right? Like uh, Again, they did they did fall flat in the second half. But at the end of the day, like you can only expect this team to just exceed expectations so many times. Right, the the win against UCLA was a phenomenal win in a very close triple overtime winner. Right, it's not like they dominated UCLA. Uh, it, it took every bit of might from every player on the court up until the last minute. Right, um, right. against Arizona, the the fact they lost uh, again, not surprising. It's just these teams are totally different in terms of overall talent level. Uh, you, you hope this doesn't ruin any momentum that they have. They now game against top twenty five opponents, which again. Has not been done since the 2001-2002 season. Also, ASU playing in six straight games. Uh, The schedule should get a little bit easier from here on out. Does not mean any of these games are gimmies, especially with the way ASU has played throughout spurts of this season. Uh, Not a team to necessarily take advantage of maybe some of the easier matchups that they've had. But they get three days off. right? They don't play again until I think it's three days. So I believe it's Thursday. Uh, I think they get Washington. I'm going to pull up their schedule here really quick. Um, Yeah, they get Washington. Uh, So... Uh, again, a little bit of a break, hopefully some time to recuperate, but uh, really the only like last huge, huge game you have on your schedule, is UCLA, right? You have that second game you're scheduled for February 21st, so now you do have a little bit of downtime and hopefully you can take a, a little bit of advantage of the rest of the Pac-12. You haven't played some of the, the easier opponents just yet, so ASU can hopefully pick up a couple more of those wins, getting a little bit closer to that 500 mark, at least in the conference as they sit currently five games under 500 in, uh, in conference, I should say. So, you, you just hope that a lot of these games, they, they really did play well. Whether it was in halves versus the entire games of this five-game stretch, hopefully they can take some of that and, and move on. And B, I don't want to say an above-average team in the Pac-12 because that just doesn't feel realistic, but they're not bottom-dwellers for T. They're really not. You know, I, I think if you compare them to last team season where a lot of outlets, like a lot of media outlets, probably thought last year's team was a top-32, top-16 Kind of team in the ncaa tournament which obviously they came well short of that um but expectations for this team are not incredibly high but they're not the worst team in the pac-12 which i guess we'll take that as a moral victory unfortunately connor you know as well as i do how much moral victories
0: mean on this podcast so we'll go ahead and leave it at that uh we're going to go ahead and hop into our first break when we return we got to talk to you some more asu basketball and we're playing the what if game because there's nothing more fun than the what if game, except maybe eating a built
1: bar. Yeah. So, guys, uh, built bar, we, we've talked to you guys about built bar almost every single day in this podcast. And at this point, now we're in February, right? We talked to you guys about New Year's resolutions and making sure you get built bars in your guys' plans. If you're like Richie and I, like not having built bar in your plans, it, it makes things so much more difficult, right? Like a lot of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions already. Uh, but not this year. Not if you have Built Bar. I'm going to stick to the resolutions. i are going to eat right. Thanks specifically to Built Bar. It's almost—it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them uh, compared to what I've tried in the past. Uh, it, if you haven't tried already, they have puffs. So if you're—if you haven't had that yet, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow bar. They're fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar; they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible, yummy, cinnamony cinnamony churro, uh, coconut, marshmallow, banana cream pie flavors, which are just so good. These are going to be your new favorite, you absolutely promise, as long as you guys get to try these. All built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and that includes those puffs, Uh, again, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They're gonna be better all the way around. They're typically like, if you compare it to a candy bar, which can be anywhere from like two to 300 calories. That just does not compare to a Built Bar, which has 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. At Bilt Bar, they're all about taste, and they make taste delicious first. Then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they do pull it off every single time. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com.
0: And it is super week guys brought to you by Get Upside. There's no better place to get coverage for the big game this weekend than Locked On NFL Podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in LA covering the game all week leading up to the Super Bowl. All right, we got to we got to still talk some basketball as heartbreaking as it is. This time we're playing the what if game, which is my favorite game in the whole wide world, Connor. I love playing what ifs. So we're going to we're going to spin it and talk some what if with the ASU basketball team. Me and you were having a conversation about this earlier in the week, and it kind of came up again tonight, and we were like, you know what? We should we should actually voice our opinions. Maybe, maybe the people wanna want to also speculate with us. Connor, my question, what if Remy Martin stays with Arizona State this year and doesn't depart for Kansas? I'll
1: leave the floor open to you to start. A lot changes, right? Like ASU replaced a lot of – to the transfer portal right uh guys like dj horn and marion jackson being some of those players uh you're not getting both of them right if they're not coming here to be essentially uh some of your starting type players there's no point to have all those kinds of guards so right uh remy martin who did take advantage of that COVID season is now playing his fifth season uh, essentially as a grad transfer for kentucky kansas he would definitely sorry yes i said that earlier he's playing for kansas um He's definitely your best player, right? Having him in horn uh, at the guard position does give you one of the best backcourts in the Pac-12. Uh, not necessarily elite, but Richie, there was even people talking about in the last like five, six years. ASU has kind of kind of guard you a little bit. and It's not so much that they had a, a top 10 pick, uh, but they had a lot of quality guards kind of coming out of the program, whether they were going to the NBA or at least transferring elsewhere. So Remy Martin being one of those guys this year, it's interesting with his move. Right. I, I'm very curious if he uh, regrets uh, transferring versus playing at an ASU. I understand maybe the move kind of like a, like a chip trade and I'm going to play for Ohio State. He gets to play for a blue blood type of program, right? He gets yes. to play for a legit winner in the basketball kind of space, or at least college basketball space. Um, and, and overall, like the reason I ask if he might regret it, he's not getting a ton of minutes no. right? playing for Kansas. Like, no, he, according he was,
0: to what we looked at, he's getting about 17 minutes right now.
1: Yeah, so it's just – it's not not necessarily close to what he was playing at, at ASU where he's probably getting 30 to 35, right, depending on any given night, playing just a stupid amount of minutes in these games. Uh, yes, he's getting more exposure nationally because he plays for Kansas, but without putting up nearly some of the numbers – I mean, people know who he is, right? He's been in college for long enough. NBA teams, if they're truly interested in a Remy Martin, uh, maybe as like a, a very, very late second-round pick or maybe someone that enters the G League, uh, they know who Remy Martin is and what he can do. So it, from one standpoint, I understand him uh, going to that national media outlet, which is uh, uh, Kansas versus an ASU. But definitely a very interesting move overall.
0: I want to amend myself real quick. I said 17. That's how many games he's played in. He's averaging 23.6 minutes a game. So he is sure. getting on the court. He's getting those opportunities. But again, just like you said, and I'm going to pat pat you on the back for that point. Uh, he, he literally is getting less time with Kansas than he would be for Arizona state. And again, like you said, Kansas truly is a blue blood program. When it comes to college basketball, they are royalty. They have put in all sorts of studs. They've won plenty of championships. They have dynasties being built playing for Kansas Jayhawks. Basketball is as prestigious as playing for the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. It truly is. So for Remy Martin to get that opportunity to go play at Kansas by all means. I No one here faults him in Tempe. No one. But you got to wonder if he maybe wishes he had stayed in Tempe to continue being the focal point of the team. I mean, he was already, what, like top three in scoring when he had left for us. He could have easily padded those numbers and continued to put himself right at, if not at the top, for the vast majority of Arizona State's basketball records. Sure. Uh, he was productive too. I mean, he's a good player. It's not like it's not like he's a bad player. He's continued to be what he was at Arizona State. He's shooting forty four percent from the field. He's uh, 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 excuse me. He's got a thirty six point four percent from three point range. So these these are all numbers that he was doing and producing. Yeah, at status quo cool for him. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's not like he went to Kansas and all of a sudden he turned into James Harden. He's he's still been a very consistently consistent player. So in one sense, you wonder if he stays at Arizona State, does he does he fill that almost Marcus Bagley role of kind of like the, the the starters with the star power for Arizona State that the fans kind of gravitate to? Because Martin definitely did build quite a reputation during his time at Tempe, and he did have quite a quite a nice little following in fan club. When he leaves Bagley was supposed to pick that up, but Bagley obviously got injured and banged up. But again, this this is where it's so much fun doing the what if scenarios. It's like it's like you kicked it off, and this is why I had you kick it off is because we all have the same opinions
1: here. Uh, we tip off in basketball, but uh, I just did some quick math, and uh, essentially, like his uh, in the most games he's played for us, which would be 31 back in the 2019 2020 season, not counting last year with the COVID shortened season. They only gets in 23 games versus 31 the year before uh in 2019 he averaged essentially uh 15.2 field goals per game or at least attempts i say this year he's averaging about six that's a big drop off yeah it it, it just it really is like that's a third of you're getting right you're you're getting less opportunity game in and game out and even though he's playing about as well as he has been with the minutes he's being given it's just it's it's time on the bench so uh, now, bringing it back to what he would do at ASU, it does not, in my opinion, put them up there with any of the truly elite schools in the Pac-12. I think currently we have yeah. four, four-ranked schools in the Pac-12. But, right. Uh, but I, I certainly think within the realm of like being at, at that 500 level is within the realm of possibility. Having one of the better backcourts, uh, being able to distribute to some of your other guys, uh, making it, it would push other guys like Kamani Lawrence down uh, the scoring depth chart, quote-unquote. So when we talk about the depth that ASU's needed all season long, having your um, one of your top tier scores in Robbie Martin, and again not having to put everything on DJ Horn's shoulders, I, I think it just overall makes everybody a better player. Uh, again, makes I, I I think I think we would still be sitting here talking about how disappointing of a year ASU's having. I don't think that would necessarily change. I think they would be better. I just they, again they wouldn't be at the very top of the Pac-12. We'd still be finding reasons to complain about this team. Dude, totally,
0: and I—I'll go ahead and just throw this out there. With the way that DJ Horn has been kind of like sputtering lately with his performances, I would tell you that Remy Martin coming back to Tempe would give you a more consistent version of DJ Horn, a guy who's going to be consistently able to come in and put up a good amount of points and do his thing. So, right. That that being said, let's go ahead and go into our final break. When we return, we're going to talk about Paul Tyson, the incoming transfer quarterback for the Arizona State Sun-Levels football team, and his potential impact on the offense if he were to take over midseason. But first, let me tell you guys about our friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this upcoming weekend. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates on sports and current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Connor. So... Once again, I'm going to kick it off over to you to get us started here, Paul Tyson. Background information for people who don't know: Paul Tyson is a is a transfer quarterback coming from the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Naturally, everybody here got very very excited because Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh my God! Like this this guy clearly is an all-world talent, but that's not always the case. In fact, I'll go ahead and point back a few years ago when ASU had another Alabama quarterback transfer who was a much higher recruit in the form of Blake Barnett who couldn't beat out Manny Wilkins, ultimately went to, like, Southern Florida or something like that. He transferred three times in his college career, and unfortunately, he's just never materialized anywhere. So I'll go ahead and preface it by saying let's not anticipate – Paul Tyson is going to be Bryce young because there's a reason he didn't beat out Bryce young. So, and it's not a discount to Bryce young. What I'm saying is if he was as good as Bryce young, wouldn't we be talking about him as potentially being Bryce young? So with that being said, now we have the even laying field for all the listeners, Connor, we know what Jaden Daniels is. We know he's a mobile quarterback with a big arm. You take him out of that offense, whether it's God forbid an injury or because of poor play, you throw Paul Tyson in, what the heck happens
1: to this offense? You lose a dynamic, right? You lose the ability of your quarterback to run that, that Tyson can't necessarily pick things up with his legs, but Jaden Andrews, obviously one of the better, uh, just athletes with his legs in college football, not the Pac-12, college football. Dude's been a really good runner and he absolutely improved in that space this season. Um, that being said, you're you're running on first down, right? You're frequently running on second down. It's still going to be the play for this team, regardless of who's going to be a quarterback. Now, uh, unless you had some legit kind of star players at the receiving position, whether that was wide receiver or tight end, that might change things. Change things a little bit more to me than uh, necessarily who's playing quarterback. But uh, you never know. Uh, unless unless Tyson is going to be that much more electric of a passer than Jaden Daniels. Uh, not that Jaden Daniels hasn't shown flashes. But if you can find some more consistency through the passing game, that might be where we have some more passing attempts per game because you don't have some designed runs. Maybe you're not handing it off as much to the running backs instead. So uh, let's say Jaden's running it four five, six, seven times a game, right? Uh, maybe you give one or two of those to some of the running backs, but you have some more passing attempts going through Paul Tyson. Uh, what's he going to do with it? That's a great question. Right, he was not getting a starting job at Alabama, so he comes here to maybe be the successor to Jaden Daniels. As of today, I don't necessarily expect him to be uh, in competition with Jaden per se. Now, no, as you had mentioned, maybe, maybe Jaden just plays absolutely poorly for some reason, or there's an injury. Uh, maybe that is the reason that Paul Tyson steps in, but otherwise, uh, it, it's going to be it's Jan- it's Daniels' team to run uh, until he, essentially he graduates. Right. So as of right now, I, I'm saying you'd lose that that functionality of Jaden Daniels' legs, but this is still heavily a run-first offense. Uh, Richie, I'm blanking for some reason. So we, we got uh, Brian Billick in the building. Uh, mm-hmm. why, why am I blanking on our offensive coordinator? Because he's the offensive uh, – uh, he's the consultant, right? I don't know why I'm blanking yes. on the uh, – uh, Billick the, is the, the consultant.
0: I, I'll look it up for you right now. Sun of Because we don't I'll have control.
1: the – we don't have the defensive coordinator position, Phil. We're still waiting to hear that. Um, we, I, from what Glenn I understand Thomas. from what I, yeah, yeah. Glenn Thomas, he was from Atlanta. That's correct. Um, or I should say he, more accurately, he was at UNLV, I think the last like season or two, but most notably known for being Matt Ryan's, uh, OC and quarterback coach for, a, 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 like nine years, I think of his career, seven, nine years. Um, I, I still think the offense is going to be very similar. You're going to be running the ball very heavily regardless. So, um, if Paul Tyson could be a much better passer, that would change things in my opinion, but that's yet to be seen. So
0: it's just such an interesting situation while you were, while you were going on over all that, I was still listening because I respect your opinion and I love you to pieces. I did want to double check for myself just to make sure uh, about Paul Tyson stats as a runner in, in high school. And it turns out I was correct when I Googled it, it actually populated and said no search results found. (sighs) (laughs) so Paul Tyson is not a runner let's go ahead and clarify that I double checked on this podcast you can see my face light up on the screen from me googling to double check so I don't look like an idiot Paul Tyson is not a mobile quarterback you take that aspect out of this offense Connor completely completely different I understand what you're saying and I agree with you that it's still going to be run heavy it's still run on first down run on second down however it is a very different style of running. You go from having a quarterback who can do your RPOs a lot more naturally, do the read option and the option plays in general more naturally. Now you have a guy with cinder block feet who can't move. It's going to be completely up to the offensive line, which is going to be reshuffled. Remember it's going to be up to them to learn how to do a whole new blocking system. Because it's not going to be the same as option plays. It's strictly going to be, this is a run play, we're run blocking, this is a pass play, we're pass blocking. Short of them going to a zone scheme, which to my knowledge we don't. And I wouldn't be opposed to it. But neither here nor there. You're also going to be asking your wide receivers to go from okay route runners to you need to be from point A to point B to point C like this. Everything in your offense suddenly has to be precise there is not a lot of room for error and that's even that's even more in focus because this quarterback doesn't have experience okay it's it's one thing when you have a a flat stoned quarterback like a josh rosen at ucla who was entrenched in the program for three years and guys knew how to run with him if god forbid we had to flip the switch in the middle of the season this offense would fall flat At least for a week, at least for a week, because who knows, maybe they, maybe they get a new rhythm really, really quick. And all of a sudden Paul Tyson jumpstarts. And this isn't me like tearing down Paul Tyson, because quite frankly, I'm excited for him in 2023, 2022 is still going to be Jaden's year, but I do think that 2023, as long as Tyson stays here, will be his opportunity to shine. They're going to be able to uh, reinvigorate the offense to his strengths it's just right now you're going into the year with Jaden as your starter. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This
1: is Jaden's team, okay? Uh, totally agreed there. Um, sorry to cut you off. Um What I will say, and you and I have, have definitely been guilty of this, a lot of people complain about Jaden Daniels, and rightfully so after the year, he did not step forward as a passer, right? Um, there's going to be some things missing, I think, about Jaden that if they go to Paul Tyson, he's not as promising as we hope he can be a lot of people might be missing some Jaden daniels a year from now so uh, we definitely hope the best for paul tyson and we obviously hope the best for Jaden daniels this upcoming season but uh we're comparing them as of right now they each have their strengths each have their weaknesses um i'm sure we'll be able to nitpick on uh, paul tyson once he is a starter in 2023
0: yep and and again we're not we're not tearing down paul tyson here all we're saying is if you had to make a switch it's okay to be nervous because that is a you know, completely different quarterback than Jaden. And that's not that's not a bad thing. I, I really want to preface this because I have had girlfriends come after me before.
1: So, Paul Tyson is a stud. Jaden Daniels is a Girl, stud. Girlfriends of players. Let's preface it with that. Girlfriends with players. Not I, like I mean, existing. I mean, your, your
0: wife loves to yell at me all the time too. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Megan, I love you. But anyways... Like I said, Paul Tyson's a stud, Jaden Daniels is a stud, but they're completely different quarterbacks, completely different offenses. If ASU had to switch like that, I don't like our chances. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and cut the podcast off here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, as always, to the best Sun Devils content in the whole wide world, the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, free and available on all platforms, whether that's Google Podcasts or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast on an audio platform me and Connor are there Monday through Friday we're also on video format as well on YouTube feel free to like subscribe comment five star anything and everything that is positive we take it we also take we also take constructive criticism but please don't tell me how terrible i look i that would really hurt my feelings but yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter as well. That's where you can hurt my feelings. You can you can at me on Twitter at Richie Brads thirty six. You can follow Connor at Cedrio, and you can follow the podcast at lo underscore Sundevils. Again, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every single day. Go ahead and make your second listen. Locked on Bets, your daily one stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from lee sterling just like the locked on sun levels it's free and available on all platforms and until next time you keep it locked right here on locked on sun levels